0: This episode is brought to you by Bev. Bev is a female-founded canned wine company on a mission to revolutionize drinking culture by creating a place for women to own their fun and own their responsibilities. All five of their varietals, a rosé, Sauve Blanc, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Noir, and Glitz, are TTB-approved zero sugar and made from happy California grapes. For a limited time, They are offering No Sex in the Suburbs listeners 20% off their first online order using promo code Suburbs20 at checkout. Their website is drinkbev.com, and I have linked out to it in the show notes along with the promo code. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm Haley Augusta, and welcome to No Sex in the Suburbs, a podcast about marriage, sex, and momming so hard. We have a real treat for you guys today. Today, we're going to be joined by Sarah, the wine CEO. Sarah is a certified wine sommelier who has recently launched a podcast called The Wine CEO. We are going to talk to her about her picks for happy hour wines at home that won't break the bank. So everything we're going to cover is going to be 25 bucks and under nationally available at Total Wine or BevMo or Trader Joe's. I've linked out to all the bottles in the show notes, and I'm also going to cover all the things that you'd like to ask a sommelier, but probably haven't had the chance because chances are in those circumstances, it's quite a fancy situation. So you can't be like, yo, how long can I uh, keep a bottle of red in the fridge before it goes skunky? Actually, that's a little bit of a spoiler alert. I didn't know you're supposed to put red wine in the fridge and I like think I know what I'm talking about, about wine. So anyway, Sarah, the wine CEO, in addition to her podcast, she also does wine consulting. So if you are bougie and you have a wine cellar and you want it to be stocked, she can do that for you. If you are like me and you're stoked, if you're, you know, six thing wine rack, is full, then perhaps you can just join her for the podcast. She also does virtual wine tastings. So that sounds like a lot of fun, something I'm definitely going to look into in the new year when I need a little bit of a pick me up. And she has graciously offered our listeners 10% off their booking. So if you just mention when you DM her on Instagram that you heard about her discount from No Sex in the Suburbs, she will be happy to honor that 10% off for a virtual wine tasting. So yeah, If you're listening to this in real time i just want to say congratulations you have made it to the last week of 2020 a year that was a real you know what show for pretty much everybody one way or the other hopefully there's only one way to go and that is up in 2021 so i just want to say thanks for listening especially to all the people who have reached out to me personally thank you so 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 much it really means so much to me to hear all this positive feedback For those of you who don't know me or for those of you who we haven't been in touch for a while, I'm not sure how much you know about my situation, but I had a pretty solid career in sales and media for over 15 years. And about a year ago, my son was diagnosed with autism. So I decided to quit my job and take a step back and quarterback that whole situation. So hopefully... It was the right move and this is my new stay-at-home mom project and so the number one thing that you can do to support me is to write a review on apple the actual written reviews are how you get discovered so five stars are great too and i thank you very much but if you write a review you will be my personal hero wishing you all the best in 2021 and let's do this (music) Hi Sarah, welcome to No Sex in the Suburbs. Hey Haley, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so happy to be
1: here, thanks for inviting me. So let's just jump right into
0: it. So, mamas be drinking. Me personally, (laughs) I was drinking solidly every night for a while after I stopped breastfeeding my second kid. Not a lot, you know, just like a glass, maximum maybe a glass and a half, but I felt like I really looked forward to those times. And then I felt like, well, to be frank with you, I'm like, you know what, my baby's turning three and I'm still up like 13 pounds from when I had him. So maybe I need to cool it on the alcohol. (laughs) So I cut down and now I'm doing you know, just like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But I feel like in general, working moms, stay at home moms, all moms are just super stressed and like to take it down a notch and unwind at the end of the day. So today I want to talk to you about easy drinking wines. You know, when you're cooking dinner, like a little happy hour, just to to wind down, that you're going to have a glass and a half maximum probably. I mean, maybe, maybe two. What do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely. So wine is the absolute perfect way to wind down, right? And obviously, I'm a huge proponent of wine uh, every night. But uh, sometimes, yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, uh, it's perfect to just have a glass of wine, like you said, whether you're cooking dinner or just, you know, sitting there with the family. So uh, really, what I like to tell everyone is that the best wine to drink is the wine that you like, right? I think everyone feels like there has to be a perfect answer of you have to drink red on Fridays and you have to drink white on Thursdays, right? But it's not. Honestly, wine is whatever you love to drink, that's what you should drink. And there's really no perfect price point. It's going to be different for every single person. It's going to be different based on what season of the year it might be or what you are eating for dinner that night. Um, So there's no perfect answer, but I think there's definitely some Uh, Things you can keep in in mind and take into consideration when you're looking for wines to shop for for your everyday drinking, right? And so, a couple things that I always like to take into consideration are um, you know, again, what am I eating? So, if you're having Italian food, right, it's pasta night, it's pizza night, maybe you want to have wines that are going to pair perfectly with that meal. So, you're going to get Italian whites like Pinot Grigio, or you're going to have a red like Chianti. Uh, So, what you're eating can definitely uh, come into play. But also I like to think about how many glasses I'm going to be drinking. So if it's a Thursday night and maybe I have to work in the morning or I don't want to uh, you know, like you said, you're, you got the kids there. And so you got to put the kids down for bed soon. And maybe you don't want to go to sleep the, the second they go to sleep. Cause you've had too much wine. Um, so maybe I'm going to look for something a little bit lighter. So I'm going to drink a Riesling or a Sauvignon Blanc, something with a little bit of a lower alcohol content. Um, I might have a rosé, but if it's a Friday night and I really want to enjoy myself, you know, maybe your kids are already asleep. Then I'm going to go for my bold reds, like a Cabernet. I'm going to have something with a little, little more bold flavor, Um, That's kind of where, where I like to start off.
0: Do you think that drinking a bold wine gives you a stronger hangover
1: or you feel it more the next day? That's a really great question. I get that a lot. So I think what a lot of women feel like they get headaches or hangovers from are the sulfites, right? We hear that often. A lot of people say, oh, I stay away from red wines because of the sulfites. So believe it or not, there's actually more sulfites in white wine than red wine. And there's actually more sulfites in a can of soda than in a glass of wine. Wow. I think people, yeah, people are really surprised by that a lot of the time. Um, but actually what gives you hangovers are two things. You're dehydrated, So you're not drinking enough water before you drink wine or after you drink wine or during your drink wine. And the second reason is cheap wine. So there are really great wines out there at low price points, like around $10, $12. But if you're drinking $2, $3, $4 wines, or you're even drinking a $7 or $8 bottle that's probably not the best quality, that wine is definitely going to give you a pretty bad hangover, especially if you finish the bottle on your own.
0: Wow. Okay. So, what happens to me sometimes if I drink too much red is that I wake up in the middle of the night uh, and I can't go back to sleep. What's that about? Is that the sugars or what?
1: Yeah. So, it's probably not the sugars because there's actually more sugar in a lot of white wines than red wines. Chances are it's either that you drink a lot. So, you have to use the bathroom, right? Um, So, that can be part of it. Or um, it could be you were dehydrated and so you're waking up because your body feels that you need more water.
0: Okay. Good to know. Okay. So let's go back to the daily drinking. It's wintertime now. It's cold out for me. I like to drink but based on what I'm eating, but also based on the weather, right? So if it's really cold, I want something that's going to warm me up. I want something more heavy. Give me top two or three cabs that you think are good drinking wine, kind of go with everything or everything-ish, right? In the like $20 and under kind of price point that are readily available at Whole Foods, BevMo, the, the major national chains.
1: Yeah, definitely. So cabs are my go-to in the wintertime as well. That full flavor is going to give you the rich kind of warm sensation that you want when it's cold outside. So some of my favorites, I actually love a Cabernet blend that's out of California. It's called Chapelet Mountain Cuvée. It's going to be right around the $20 to $22 mark. It's actually a really nice blend. So if you don't like that full, full flavor of a cab, it has some Merlot in it as well, which makes it a little fruit forward still. And that one is around like $20 to $25. And so that's a really great option and yeah, you can get Chapelet at Total Wine, BevMo, um, some grocery stores even carry it. It's definitely a pretty, pretty commonly found wine. Another one that's really awesome is the Justin Cab. I love Justin Cab. It's just consistent from year to year. It's usually about $20 to $22 as well. You can find that also at Total Wine, a lot of grocery stores. I've even seen it at Trader Joe's sometimes. So Justin Cab, it's, it's a really bold, flavorful Cabernet Sauvignon. Goes great with steaks or honestly anything that you're going to be cooking in like a stew or a soup. As well.
0: Okay. I think I get Justin confused with Josh. Thoughts on Josh?
1: Um, Josh is not bad. It's good. I would say if you're looking for something that's closer to the $12 to $15 mark, that's just kind of a, a good quality cab, maybe nothing special for a, you know, nice Friday night dinner, but good solid weekly drinking wine. I, I do like Josh Cab. It's a good one. Okay. Hit or miss wines. Maybe
0: the wine isn't that good quality if like sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. Like sometimes we go on these you know, favorite stretches and then one of them is a bust. What? Why does that happen?
1: Yeah. So you mean like it's the same wine and you've had it before, but maybe you didn't enjoy it this particular time. Yeah. Yeah. So it can be a couple things. It can be environmental factors. So maybe you ate it with a particular food and it tasted really well that time, but maybe the next time you had something that was really spicy or really herbal and flavorful. And so that left a little bit of a flavor in your mouth that when you tasted the wine, the wine tasted totally different. Um, so that can be the case. It is possible to get a wine that has gone bad. Maybe it had a little bit of bacteria on the cork when the wine was sealed. And so it's possible that that did taint the bottle itself. It's not quite as common. It's probably more likely that it was just environmental factors that, for whatever reason, made you perceive the flavors of the wine a little differently.
0: Okay, great. Let's now move on to Pinots. Generally, I'm a cab girl. I don't like Pinots. I feel like they're way too light, but I was listening to one of your episodes and you were talking about maybe Pinots from Burgundy and how they are heavier, but let's just pretend that you're a Pinot person. What are some good kind of nightly Pinots that you recommend?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think both both Pinot Noirs from, you know, kind of California and Oregon and France are amazing, right? So you have your new world Pinot Noirs, which are going to be the California, Oregon, uh, and those are going to be really fruit forward, really fresh tasting. I tell a lot of folks that Pinot Noirs are kind of that nice crossover for folks who like drinking white wine, but are looking to get into reds. And especially if you go for those California Pinot Noirs, you mentioned Santa Barbara, Love California, um, Santa Barbara, Pinot Noirs. So those are going to be really easy to get into if you've mostly drank white wine, but you're looking to get into a lighter, fruitier red wine. So some of my favorites out of California are Mayomi. That's an awesome classic. Every single year, they come out with an amazing Pinot Noir, and that's going to be right around the $20 mark. Uh, La Crema is another one. They make an awesome Pinot Noir, and La Crema actually has Pinot Noirs from both California as well as Oregon. They do Sonoma. They do Sonoma. They do with Santa Barbara. So they have a lot of different ones that you can try, but all amazing, amazing quality. Um, But my personal favorite are the French Pinot Noirs. I love Pinot Noirs out of Burgundy. They just tend to have a little more earthy characteristic. They're more kind of dried fruit instead of fresh fruit. And so I'm a cab drinker as well. So I I love those old-world, really rich pinot noirs um, from France you can find a lot of awesome Burgundy Pinot Noirs in Total Wine, Bevmo, definitely at Trader Joe's. Um but you can get like Joseph Joseph Druin, that's an awesome one. Um but pretty much anything out of Burgundy you're gonna be you're gonna be impressed with.
0: Great. And for everyone listening, we will have links to all these in the show notes so you don't have to write them down while you're driving, et cetera. I am not digging the California Pinot's and coming from California, you know, I always try to go California first but I'm definitely going to try those French ones just to mix it up so I want to move on to whites but before I do very important question um, how many days can a bottle of red stay open before it goes skunky and is it worth investing in one of those really expensive sucks all the oxygen out of the bottle contraptions
1: Yeah, great question. So wines can usually last once opened only about three days. And that's if you put the cork or a nice like sealed uh, topper back in the bottle so you can't leave the bottle open, you have to completely seal it and you put it in your refrigerator. So you can get about three more days out of it, but really after that, it's gonna start to taste a little watery. It's maybe gonna have some off flavors. So you don't get much of a life off of a single bottle of wine. Um, And that's where I think it actually is worth investing in one of those wine preservers. I have the Coravin personally. It's an amazing wine tool. Basically it pumps argon gas into the open bottles to displace that oxygen. And you can find them online for anywhere from like 200 to $300 Sometimes they're on sales and you can get them 50% off. And it's an awesome investment because you will save so much money in bottles of wine that you don't have to dump that will last so much longer because the wine preserver will keep the wine good for up to a year. So you can just have a glass today and then wait. And maybe next week you want a white wine or in two weeks you'll want to come back to this cab or this Pinot Noir. So it'll let you continue to enjoy that wine for weeks to come and not have to feel bad about rushing to drink it all in two days so that you don't have to feel like you wasted money on it
0: that's amazing I'm gonna get that for my husband uh for the next occasion that we have because we do that all the time of like uh do you want to open this well you know Haley you're only gonna drink like half a glass and then I'm gonna be annoyed so that's awesome I, yeah,
1: it's an awesome tool. I I really feel like mine has definitely paid for itself. What's it and especially again? It's called a Coravin, C-O-R-A-V-I-N. And you can find them on Amazon, Bed Bath & Beyond, Williams-Sonoma, and then you can get them on coravin.com. But I'm the exact same. My boyfriend loves white wine. I love red wine. And so it's always it, it was always this debate of like, well, what do we want to open tonight? Because we don't want to waste a bottle and, you know, not drink it so with the Coravin he can have his glass of white I can have my glass of red and we don't have to feel bad about wasting it so it really is an awesome awesome tool. So you use it for white wine also? Yep you can use it for white wine red wine the only thing you can't use it for is sparkling and it's not really recommended for really really sweet syrupy dessert wines because it'll clog up the needle but yep you can use it for both red and white
0: Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Okay. So moving on to white, not to make this too much about me, but I'm like very bored of white wines. I feel like Chardonnay is what my parents drank. So that turns me off. I think that New Zealand Sauvignon Blancs taste like perfume. I know they're super popular. <laughs> so then I go Pinot Grigio, but those are super
1: plain.
0: So then I go to Rosé. Like, what, what, What do I do?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I think especially like California Chardonnays, they just all kind of seem to taste the same, right? It's this like full, oaky, buttery wine, and you just always feel like you're drinking the same thing, and it's kind of been overdone. So um, I actually have two recommendations for you. There's two wines that are becoming really trendy right now, and they're two of my personal favorites. So one of them is actually Viognier. And I don't know if you've had Viognier before, but it's a wine varietal out of France. But it's becoming really commonly grown throughout a lot of California, especially in like the Paso Robles area and then a little bit farther north into like Carneros. It's a little uh, nutty. It kind of has like pear and almondy flavors so it's nowhere near as buttery or full as your classic chardonnay but it's not quite as light crisp and refreshing as like a pinot grigio or a sauvignon blanc it's kind of in the middle there so you can really um, use it with a lot of different cooking styles and it's really really tasty have you have you had a viognier before I feel like I had a sip
0: of one once and I didn't really give it any, you know, I had probably already been drinking a cab for like, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, and then tried one. It was like, eh, but I will definitely try it. Any specific, did you mention specific ones yet?
1: Um, no, so there's two that are really awesome. So Stag's Leap, you may have heard of Stag's Leap because they do awesome cabs and yes, Marlowe's ma'am. out of California. Yeah, they started making a Viognier a couple years ago and is on point, really, really good quality Viognier. It's very floral, again, has really nice kind of ripe fruit notes. So that's an awesome one. I think it has a great body to it. Um, there's also apolo it's E-O-P, sorry, O-P-O-L-O. Um, and that's another one that makes a really great Viognier. And I think theirs is actually... A a vegan and organic Viognier also, which is pretty awesome, um, but also really great quality. So those are two really, really nice ones out of California. And then obviously there's some great French Viogniers, but I think the California ones are really coming on scene and becoming really popular throughout the U.S. right now. So you can find a lot of them at like Trader Joe's. Uh, again, Total Wine and BevMo are, are great places to find them as well. Um, and I've even found some good ones at Costco recently. So um, definitely check that one out too. Um, the second white wine though that I I've been a fan of for a couple years, and I think it's becoming much, much more popular and pretty trendy. uh, Is Albarino? So Albarino is actually a Spanish white wine, and it's it's commonly found along the coast of Spain. And so it has really good fresh like citrusy notes. It even has a little bit of salinity. So almost a little kind of saltiness to it. And so I drink that in place of Pinot Grigio. So whenever I would have a Pinot Grigio, I've kind of moved over to the Albariño world because it's very crisp and refreshing. It's light. It's an easy weeknight drinking wine. Pairs with almost anything. You can have it with fish. It's amazing with fish tacos. You can definitely drink it with a fresh salad, any type of chicken. Um, But it's definitely... I think a little stronger, it has a little more body than Pinot Grigio. I know sometimes folks complain that Pinot Grigio is a little watery or just doesn't really taste like much. Totally. So I, yeah, I love Albariño for that reason. It's it's an awesome white wine and there's a lot of great ones coming out of Spain. So you can find some really good quality ones, great price points. I find some of my favorites at Trader Joe's, but you can definitely find some at, at Total Wine and Albariños tend to be pretty affordable. So don't shy away. If you find one for like nine or $10, they're still really great quality, um, but you can find some great ones that are also closer to like the seventeen or eighteen dollars mark as well. Well,
0: if the good ones are ten or eleven, why pay seventeen?
1: Um, it's personal preference. I think you can you can try a couple different kinds and then see which ones you prefer. Every winemaker has a different style, right? It's just like maybe a clothing stylist that they just have their own style of how they make their wine. And so you might find one at eleven dollars that you love and you just enjoy the extra lemon notes or the extra floral flavors that you can get in the wine. But someone else might care for um, a, you know a seventeen dollar or eighteen dollar bottle because of the way the winemaker. Makes that. So they'll taste similar, but there might be one that you enjoy more. And and that's where I like to just remind folks that it's not necessarily that it's better if it's more expensive or worse if it's less expensive. It's truly what you like. And everyone is going to pick out different flavors and wines. So you might taste a particular Albarino and you're going to pick out lemon and lime. But I might taste it and I might taste more uh, floral notes. I might get a little bit of orange citrus in it, or I might taste a little bit of that saltiness. And we're both right. We're both tasting whatever our body is attuned to pick up in the flavors of that wine. And it's just whichever we prefer. So...
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. That's the most fun thing about wine and why people go on wine tasting, because like there's no wrong answer. It's all subjective. It's whatever it is for you is the right answer, which I feel like more people should just live life like that,
1: <laughs> just in general. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, if we all just lived life like we're wine tasting, we'd be happy.
0: Right? Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to like wine tasting philosophy for life and just expand <laughs> that. Um, so what about rosés? Do you have any uh, any words about rosés?
1: Yeah, so um, I think rosés have kind of been overdone for the last couple years. Um, I think that kind of rosé all day trend Mm -hmm. led to maybe not the best things in the wine industry. Um, What rosé is, um, it's actually red wines that have had very minimal skin contact, right? So the majority of the time, it's going to be a red wine, maybe like a red grape, like Pinot Noir, and it's just had very minimal time with the juice in contact with the skins to give the wine that color, that bold color you're looking for. Um, But what's happened unfortunately because of the popularity of rosé, I think there's been a lot of blending of cheap wines, a bit of watering down some of the wines just to kind of bulk mass produce wines to get the rosé out there Mm -hmm. and everyone's all excited when they see these $2 rosés but then they wake up the next morning with a horrible hangover, right? Or you just feel dehydrated and gross after drinking it. So I think you have to be really careful when you're shopping for rosés there are some winemakers that make really great quality rosés, and then there's some that are not so awesome. So I love to recommend out of California, I mentioned earlier the Mayomi Pinot Noir. Mayomi makes a wonderful rosé. It has great body, good floral notes, and it's a really good quality rosé. Also, if you're interested in like French rosés, a lot of wines out of Provence are really great quality, but Tavel. T-A-V-E-L, is actually a region in France. It's in the southern Rhone, and it's known for making some of the best rosés in the world. And so a lot of my favorite rosés come out of Tavel because that region, literally all they do is make rosés. And so you know that the wines coming out of there are not blended with cheap grapes or watered down because it's just kind of surplus grape juice left over at a winery in California after they made their other wines, you know, that in this region of France, they're making wine specifically to have a great quality rosé. And so if you find something from Tavel, you're, you're going to find something amazing. One of my favorites is the Vignoble Chastel rosé. And it's actually $15 at Trader Joe's. It's an amazing rosé. So I love to recommend that one.
0: This is such great information. I am so glad we had you on the show today. Good. I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I'm going to take all the links and just be like, bye, 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 bye. (laughs) Hooray. Okay. So last question before we go um, that I know that some of my friends are kind of grappling with. Should you join, should one join a wine club? A, in the first place, because they're kind of expensive. B, from one vineyard? Or is it better to kind of, you know, diversify your portfolio?
1: Yeah, great question. I get this question from a lot of my podcast listeners as well. Um, My personal recommendation is that it is great to invest in a wine club. A lot of times um, you can get great deals or you get to try exclusive wines that you wouldn't normally get to try. But my caveat is to only join wine clubs from wineries. The reason for that is that wine clubs that are kind of these random wine clubs that have fun names and they're marketing all these great bottles that you're only going to get to try from their wine club what is actually happening is that these are usually leftover bottles from a vintage where they weren't able to sell to distributors. Mm -hmm. So what happens in the wine industry is there's going to be your winemaker that's going to make, let's say, 100 cases of wine, and they're going to try to sell to distributors all over the world that will then place the bottles into our grocery stores and our wine shops. But what can happen is these distributors may only want to purchase X number of cases, and then whatever's left over, the winemaker will sell at a discounted price to folks that are willing to pick up wines, just random wines, and then sell in these wine clubs. So you get this kind of mix of wines, And sometimes they're good. They're not always bad. But what I've found in my experience is that the good quality wines that get bought up by the distributors are not wines that you're going to find in these wine clubs. You're kind of going to get the leftover wholesale wines that they weren't able to sell to all of the distributors because it just wasn't the best quality. But when you're buying from a winery, you've found a winery that you like, you trust that brand, you trust that winemaker, you've enjoyed their wines in the past. And so you can feel confident that the wines that they send you in that monthly wine club or uh, quarterly wine club, you know that they're going to be good quality that you're personally going to enjoy. So that's just my recommendation. You can try wine clubs and um, I know there's a lot of great ones out there where you can try it and if you don't care for it, you can stop the subscription. But personally, I love going directly from the winery.
0: Well, I think that's great advice. I think you just answered a lot of questions. And I mean, I would just go straight for the the vineyard then, you know, time is money. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yep, I mean? Exactly. Um, <laughs> wow. Sarah, this has been so amazing. I feel like I have learned so much. I'm super excited about my new daily drinking wines that I'm going to try. Um, for everybody listening, head over to Sarah, the wine CEO, podcast. You will learn a lot. I promise. Um, This was great. I just, I want to say thank you so very much for joining us today.
1: Good. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. It's always fun to talk about wine, but this was just a a great discussion. And yeah, um, I do uh, a lot of awesome wine-related content on my Instagram. So definitely head over or to my website, thewineceo.com. I do virtual wine tasting. So if any of your listeners are more interested, there's lots of great, great places to learn more about wine. And what is your Instagram handle, really quick? Yep. And yep, My Instagram is at CEO. And my website is thewineceo.com.
0: Love it. Thank you so much, Sarah. Have a great rest of your week.
1: Thanks, Haley. Have a great day.